fantasy coaches and welcome to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. And as always, I've got producer JP Gale by my side. We just found out today that Thomas Rawls has taken back the starting role for Seattle. And joining the show to chat about this week two's matchups, rankings, start sit questions, and answer question, questions from the listener mailbag is Matt Letusky from thesportingnews.com. So Matt, Rawls is the starter now and Michael's back on the bench. But should we dive headfirst in this news or is it just going to be a timeshare? Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see how this works out because obviously last week they they almost had equal amount of touches. I think Michael had two more, even though he played a ton more snaps. And and they were yeah about equal effectiveness when you factor in receiving. Uh, Michael certainly was better running, but, but Rawls had some nice catches. So I do think Rawls will probably get like maybe a two to one advantage in touches or at least one and a half to one. I don't really like the matchup though, quite frankly. I, I, I thought that even though the 49ers racked up three rushing touchdowns and some rushing yards, they only gave up 3.6 yards per carry last week. Uh, it, uh, or the Rams did to the 49ers. So I, I, I don't know if, if I'm ready to put Rawls in there as like, a, oh, yeah, he's an RB1 or even an RB2. But I think he's definitely at least a flex. Yeah, Matt, I'm right with you. I'm not ready to give up on Christine Michael either. I, I think that uh, this job could very well be his in three or four weeks again. I think that Pete Carroll's just going to give it to the hot hand. And as talented as these guys are, that could go back and forth. And I think eventually, if you look at Christine Michael's athletic profile, uh, he's he's the more talented running back of the two, and I think it's only a matter of him getting enough carries to to showcase that. Uh, Rawls was great last year, but I'm not sure that he's going to be 100% of what he was last year. And I think Michael's still improving, uh, as crazy as that may sound. So I think uh, Michael is, is a guy that I'm targeting. I want to grab him at a discount now that this news is out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to have both, at least for a while, no question. I, I, I do think Rawls is, is definitely the guy that they want to succeed, if, if yeah. that makes sense. It seems that they like him and like him a little bit more. Obviously, fantasy owners have been chasing this Christine Michael ghost for, for a couple <laughs> years now. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. But it's definitely a situation where you're not going to feel comfortable, I don't think, either way. I think this situation it could go back and forth for, for a while this season. So, Matt, the big thing I want to talk about during this show, uh, during the Wednesday show, we always talk about rankings compared to expert consensus rankings. And if you're listening and you want to see our expert consensus rankings, that's where we have over 140 experts that all get together uh, and they post their rankings. We, we compile them together to see who the consensus top picks are. Um, and so you can go to fantasypros.com slash NFL slash rankings. Um, or you can just hit the drop down menu from NFL and you'll see week two rankings right there. So what we're going to do is I want to hear who Matt has higher and lower than the expert consensus rankings. That way we can get a feel for what's going to happen this week and really dive in deep to some matchups and uh, help you guys make the right plays. Then we'll be talking about sit start. So Matt, let's start here at quarterback. Um, and at fantasypros.com, we separate it into tiers. The first tier has four and the second tier has four. So after those first two tiers, uh, after Eli Manning, who is someone that you're really high on that you think could maybe jump into those first two tiers? Well, I, I still like Andrew Luck, and I think a lot of people are really scared about him going out to Denver and and playing that defense. And, and I understand why. Obviously, they have a great defense. But at the same time, I, I look a lot of times at situations like this in that I, Indy's not going to be able to run the ball. They're going to have to pass. I think Luck has a lot of good playmakers uh, at receiver who can who can do a lot after the catch, who can go deep. I just think almost uh, just out of necessity, he's going to throw the ball a lot. 
He's going to have a lot of yards. He'll get a few rushing yards. It'll come down to how many touchdowns he can get. I mean, which is which is the case for almost everyone every week. But I still think he's going to easily put up starter worthy numbers. And I think it's a little uh, much ado about nothing a little bit uh, with people being scared of him. I feel similarly about luck. Uh, and the reason why is uh, a lot of the points that you mentioned, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are probably better quarterbacks. I think that's uh, it's a pretty sure thing. Maybe even Cam Newton, too. Not on a passing scale, though. If anyone is going to put up big numbers against Denver's pass defense, it's going to be Andrew Luck, as far as I'm concerned. And the reason why is Frank Gore is not going to do anything in the ground game. They're going to be playing from behind, and you know he's going to be slinging the ball over the yard. So yeah, he might have two interceptions, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he also puts up two or three touchdowns, 350 yards as they're as they're trying to play comeback. And uh, that is not uh, a QB 10 performance. That puts him square in the top five. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that you know if you go back, you look at last week. Uh, the, you know, there was open receivers there. He was hitting from time to time, but he was also just dropping some dimes into receivers in, in tough coverage because he's that good of a player. And, uh, you know, guys were open in that opener for the for the Panthers. Calvin Benjamin was open all day, and I know he's big, and, and the, the Colts don't really have that big receiver. I guess Dante Moncrief's the closest one, but nonetheless, they got speedy receivers. Moncrief who, doesn't really play the same way. Yeah, and they can get and they can get open too. So, uh, so Luck's going to take a beating, and then the Colts might lose by you know ten points or something. But at the same time, it doesn't matter for fantasy owners. Another guy that I'm really fond of this week is is Joe Flacco, and it's completely about Cleveland's pass defense. I get it; they have Joe Hayden. I've said this before, though. Joe Hayden is just a shell of himself. He's not the same Joe Hayden that's going to lock anyone down. Um, so don't worry about any of these guys on Baltimore, Steve Smith, or what have you. In the past 14 games that Cleveland's played, the opposing quarterback has been a QB1 11 of those 14 games. I see no reason why Flacco won't join the conversation this week, and uh, I see him producing at at QB8 level. That's where I have him in my rankings. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he could, too. He's one of those guys I just look at as as not exactly dependable, Uh, so that's why I'm not quite as high on him, you know, at least in the rankings. But at the same time, I agree that everything's set up for him. And, and really the question is going to be who, which receiver is it going to be? You know, it's, it's a lot of people seem to be on Mike Wallace. Mm, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, Steve Smith got the most targets. I don't think Kamar Aiken's just an afterthought. And, uh, and obviously tight ends could be involved there. Perriman had the one big catch in week that one. That was a great catch else. too. Yeah. But it could be any of those guys. I think that's part of the, the problem with trusting Flacco is, is we don't have a receiver we particularly trust and it kind of waters it all down. But I mean, you're right. The matchup's fantastic. And and if he can't, you know, he should be able to, to put up good numbers here. Now the opposite direction here at quarterback, who's someone that's on the cusp of starting that, you know, some people might be persuaded to start here, but you want to talk them out of it. Someone that you think is going to fall on their face this week. Well, you know, fall on their face, maybe, maybe a little tough. I was just looking at the rankings and and sort of seeing uh, seeing a guy that I had lower, and, and like I still have Matt, Matt Stafford ranked as a starter, but but when I was looking at it here, I saw I saw him up at five uh, on this ranking I'm looking at. I just think that's a little too high, just just primarily because as much as I like him and 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 uh, you know like the Jim Bob Cooter offense there in Detroit and what they're doing with it, he's another guy who just puts up stinkers at like the worst time, and and, and anyone who's owned him knows this and. 
he'll throw those bad interceptions and and he it was one of those situations him and the Lions almost looked a little too good last week we know this happens in the NFL that great week one can come back and not look as good in week two and vice versa so I don't have him ranked quite as highly but I certainly understand why someone would want to start him the reason the Lions look so good is because Matt me you and JP could go play offense against against Indianapolis and put up 30 points yeah that's I mean they're bad (laughs) There's so no I'm I'm not super into this, uh, you know, Matt Stafford's returned. He's a top five quarterback thing that I've been hearing. It's nuts. People are overreacting to week one so much. It always happens. And uh, Stafford seems to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of that. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I, I, I like what, what they do with Marvin Jones. I like, a, a, you know, Riddick and a healthy Eric Ebron. But I mean, you know, consistency is something that Matt Stafford has really struggled with since his 5,000 yard season. So uh, I, I, I need to see it before I'm, I'm pushing all in. Like before I'm putting them over Ben Roethlisberger, I don't care if Roethlisberger is playing, playing the Steelers. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league and he's got more weapons than Matthew Stafford. So why, why would I start Matthew Stafford over Roethlisberger? It's one of those things to me. I think that's fair to say. Uh, Big Ben did have the most passing yards per game in the NFL last year. He is a very good quarterback. Yeah, and their offense is just set up for him to get yards. That's what they want to do. So that that's that helps too. The one guy that makes me uh, really nervous to start, and this is going to sound crazy, I was really uncomfortable last week telling people to start San Francisco's defense, and that, that worked out really well. This week I'm really uncomfortable to say this because I feel like people might stop listening, is uh, – Russell Wilson, I'm I'm afraid to play him this week. And, you know, I know they say he's going to play, but if you look at what he's done against the St. Louis Rams, it's really weird because the Rams are always terrible and the Seahawks are always great, but Russell Wilson struggles to pass against the Rams for whatever reason. And he always puts up good rushing yards, but I don't think that's going to really happen on his ankle this week. I think the Rams win this game. I think they go to Los Angeles and the Rams win this game. It's it's certainly possible. I mean, I, I've actually just been writing about it. How uh, eleven to seven career touchdown to turnover ratio for him against the Rams. They've sacked them thirty five times in eight games, and that includes ten sacks last year. And obviously, the ankle. It's not as far of a road trip for him this year. I guess that's a plus. But uh, yeah, I, I, I agree completely. We still have him ranked in the starting tier, but there's certainly other guys that I look at that that I, we have ranked below them. That you know, I'm thinking, man, if this was my team I don't know I might I might pull the trigger on one of these guys uh instead of Wilson but uh you know he's a guy that that you just kick yourself if you bench him and he has a big game and you say why did I draft this guy in the fifth sixth round if I was just gonna bench him so that's why it's so hard to do with him you're you're absolutely right it would it would make me so mad if I benched Russell Wilson but Fortunately, he's not on my team, so I don't have to make that decision. And uh, I'm, t- I'm telling you guys to make the hard decision. He's four and four against the Rams. Um, you know, if Aaron Donald is not in this game, I will change my mind. I'll immediately make him a QB one because Aaron Donald is is the best defensive lineman in football besides JJ Watt. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to get suspended. It looks like he's probably not going to. But this is just uh, Jeff Fisher is strange. He always plays so well against these great teams. And um, they hold their own against Seattle. They went into Seattle week one last year and beat them. So yeah, uh, strange is strange is one way to describe them. I don't know if a lot of people would necessarily <laughs> use that word. But but on the flip side of all this, I will say this: I, I don't mind the Rams' defense at all. 
all this week, basically for all the all the things we've just said. I think after last week, a lot of people, I think they're on a lot of waiver wires now. I think a lot of people are clocking out on the Rams, and I'm like, they still have a fantastic pass rush front seven, and, uh, and I think they can still make plays, and I, I think they'll surprise people this week. Matt, let's move on over to running back, and we're going to stay out of the top 25 here because those guys are are players that almost everyone's going to start. I want to talk about guys that you know people are, are wondering, should I start this guy? He's, he's on the borderline. I don't, I don't know what to do. So who's someone there that you definitely want to start? Well, I was just looking at, at some guys that I had ranked higher than the, the consensus, and Justin Forsett's one of them. And I think a lot of people are looking at all Ravens in this game, uh, which which is probably a little foolish. I mean, I think the Browns are bad. How bad? I'm not, you know, again, this could be an overreaction to week one thing I saw. I think it was on Yahoo. They, it's like a headline, like breaking. Will the Browns go 0-16? It's like, calm calm no. down, everyone. Uh, it's I don't think they're one. the worst team in the NFL. They've got a great offensive line. Josh McCown's a fine quarterback. They've got Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, Gary Barnage. They're fine. Yeah, exactly. I, it's it's. I think the defense is really bad, but a lot of, lot of teams have bad defenses. But uh, so, yeah, so I think a lot of, it's going to be, you know, maybe a little everyone pushing all, all in on these Ravens. Like I said, there's so many different receivers. We don't know who it's going to be. So all of a sudden you're going to have all four of these guys starting for various people. Some of them are bound to disappoint. But I like Forsett, even though like West had more touches than him last week. I still just think he's a better player. I think he's a pretty good back, and uh, I, I think he's going to start, and he'll be used much more in the receiving game, I, I'd like to think, this week. So I, I think he's a very capable fantasy starter this week. For me, it's Charles Sims. I'm starting him in all formats, especially PPR. Uh, Charles Sims, if you look at the numbers, now this is absolutely amazing. Since week 10 last year, Charles Sims has 609 yards from scrimmage, Todd Gurley has 584. He's behind Charles Sims since week 10. Charles Sims is, is getting the ball enough to start on your flex every single week. And especially this week where they're going to Arizona, they're going to be playing from behind, and Jameis Winston is going to be airing the ball out. He's going to be playing more than Doug Martin. In fact, I'll be bold enough to say Charles Sims is going to outscore Doug Martin this week. It's certainly possible. The the one thing about about the uh, you know I made the uh, playing from behind assumption last week for the Patriots and it didn't happen. You're right. I, I was saying like oh James White and Martellus Bennett and Julian Edelman are going to clean up on garbage time catches and and then it didn't happen. But I do think though the Bucks two straight road games this one a long trip out west. Uh, I think everyone who's all in on Jameis are going to see him maybe not have nearly as good of a game uh, this week. For for those reasons, I think I think the 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 Cardinals are going to be fired up. But yeah, I, I agree. Sims is a good player, and he he's a big part of that offense. And uh, you know, I think people focus a lot on some of these other receiving backs like Woodhead and Sproles, and now Riddick, and uh, you know even Vereen and, and and whoever the Pats are have as a receiving back. And Sims never seems to get mentioned in that group, but he's just as good, if not better, than almost all those guys. I agree. The only one I'd put above him is is Danny Woodhead, and that's because he just gets the ball more. I think that if uh, Charles Sims got the ball as much as Danny Woodhead, he would be head and shoulders above him. I, I like Charles Sims that much. Yeah, no, he he's good. Uh, Woodhead's a weird one though because the guy's what five six, you know, one seventy, <laughs> and, and they'll give it yeah. to him from the one yard line. The Chargers are just so weird offensively. I can't they are so weird that there's yeah. no other way to put it. So I'm here with Matt Litovsky of thesportingnews.com, and he says Justin Forsett, who currently is number 38 on ECR, is a startable running back this week. I have Charles Sims, number 39. Now, Matt, who's somebody that you think uh, you better not start him, someone who's on the cusp? 
Well, we were just talking. We just talked about the team. I think it's Melvin Gordon. I don't. I don't trust Whoa. him at all. He got in the end zone twice. That's great. He did okay running the ball, like four four yards a carry or so, whatever he had. But at the end of the at the end of the game, you look up and Daddy Wood had had two more carries than him, and then obviously did did what he does receiving. And uh, I just don't like this Chargers team. Uh, you know, a lot of times, like I said, I'm leery about teams making the big trips, second second week long road trips. But I still like the Jaguars this week. Actually, I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for. I don't, yeah. I don't think they'll blow them out or anything, and they'll be playing from behind a lot and have to pass to Woodhead. But nonetheless, I just I don't know. I'm just not sold on Gordon, despite the touchdowns last week. I have Green Bay winning the Super Bowl. So what what Jacksonville did against them, even at home. That impressed me. I think they're going to blow San Diego out. Uh, I do like Melvin Gordon a little bit this week just because he. I saw how talented he was in college. I mean, he flashed some uh, some skills last year, but that offensive line was putrid. This year, their offensive line is much improved. So I'll respectfully disagree with this one. The one that I'm going with is Amir Abdullah for Detroit. He was, he was very good last week. Uh, it, was, it was surprising. He was catching balls out of the backfield, and uh, he was running – like a different kind of running back. He's number 28 this week, but he goes up against Tennessee, and we saw what they did to Adrian Peterson. Tennessee and Jarrell Casey have a very good run defense. I'd say one of the top four in the NFL, and I don't think Abdullah's going to do anything this week. Uh, so I have Abdullah out of my flex rankings, um, and I'm avoiding him. Yeah, I, 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 don't, uh, I don't really disagree with that because I, the thing I've been trying to tell people is that Basically, if you if you look at Abdullah last week, if if Riddick hadn't left the game for two quarters because of the head injury, his numbers would not have looked that good. And even more to the point, he wasn't Detroit's goal line back. That was Dwayne Washington. So it's like basically you got a guy who's playing. He you know people talk about two down back, three down back. He's a one and a half down back, and then you put him in a tough matchup. He's he's basically touchdown or bust as far as I'm concerned, or big player bust, and that's really tough to count on. I think there's enough other guys out there that you don't need to play him. Yep. All right, moving over to wide receiver, and before we get to the rankings, I want to ask you about Sammy Watkins, and I want to ask you about Travis Benjamin. Are these two guys must plays? I mean, I know Watkins is immensely talented, but of course he's got that foot issue going on. Sure, he could be ruled out by week one, but if he's not, are you taking the chance? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm playing him if he's active. I, I totally understand why people wouldn't, but I mean, I have him in a in a in a league, and I just look at him like, well, who do I have that's really better? You know, it's 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 tough to find a guy you feel comfortable with, and it's also kind of strange that after last week, now I'm looking my chops at the idea of Watkins going up against Darrell Revis after AJ <laughs> yeah. Green just used and abused him. Uh, probably shouldn't be. Again, that's probably another week one overreaction. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's so tough to predict a guy's health. And, and how effective he can be in the whole short week. I think it's easy to overanalyze that or underanalyze that. I don't know. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to trust the talent there and I probably play him. Benjamin, I, you know, they got to throw the ball to someone there. I think he's probably, if not second, probably third in line for targets after Gates and Woodhead. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's, he's good enough to start too, but you know, he's, I don't have him as high as, as Watkins. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys that I actually have over Travis Benjamin because I said this in the last podcast, and I'll say it again. I just want to remind you all, Travis Benjamin was the number one last year. I mean, you could maybe argue Gary Barnage or, or Duke Johnson got a lot of targets, but as far as wide receivers go, Benjamin was number one, and he really didn't do much. I don't think he's going to do much in San Diego either. I, I'm not buying into all this hype that all of a sudden you have to pick him up. Sure, if he's available in your league, I, I, I think it's probably a good idea, but... He's just not that guy for me. 
Now, Sammy Watkins, it's just like you were talking about uh, with Russell, Russell Wilson. If you start this guy and he goes off for 180 yards and three touchdowns, you might as well just quit fantasy football because you're going to be so depressed the rest of the season. It's going to be yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and Sammy Watkins can do that with the best of them. I think of him, Amari Cooper, and then obviously the top three or four guys who could just explode and have huge weeks. Watkins is that guy. And we saw what A.J. Green did against Revis, and I don't think it's a week one overreaction. Revis was a little better than mediocre last season. Yeah, He really just uh, – his, his agility is declining, and it's, it's sad to say because I love Revis, but – He's just not the same player he once was. He's he's not a lockdown corner anymore. He's he's kind of just a guy, and yeah. uh, I'm not afraid of that matchup at all. So Sammy Watkins sitting at 30, that's laughable to me. I, yeah. I know there's risk there, but I still have him in my top 20 without without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't blame you. I mean, he's he's he is exceptionally talented, and, and you know this is the way it started for him last year, right? With bad week one, he might have had been shut out in week one, if I recall correctly. Yep, and and then had a good People game. So mad. It was week two or week three. And, you know, that's just kind of the Bills offense. And I thought he was going to be more consistent this year with the way he ended last year. Uh, but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it was a bad matchup last week, whatever it is, the foot. But he's still he's still as talented as it gets. Now, who's one guy that you're really high on this week that you think is uh, a definite must start that's on the borderline for everyone? Well, I'm really high on Michael Crabtree. And I was coming into the year. I was last week. I still am. I just think that we look at Cooper and we say, well, Cooper's better. And it's like, absolutely. Cooper's better. Great. But that doesn't mean Crabtree's not good or it doesn't mean Crabtree is a borderline player. Uh, You know, he led the team last year in targets, in receptions. I think the stat was nine targets inside the 10-yard line to Cooper getting zero last year. Now, we already saw in week one, they threw to Cooper a little more in that area, had the two-pointer to him and things like that, which is great. I would expect them to throw more to him inside the 10, but Crabtree is still a very, very important part of that team's offense. That's not going to change. I like the matchup. Uh, obviously, we saw what Tampa did to, to Atlanta, and now you got Atlanta traveling, you know, three thousand miles across the country to come play him in a converted baseball stadium. I don't know. I just like I like Crabtree, and and I think that he's you know he's the number two, but it might be more one B than number two in that situation. Last year he was one A. Yeah, I mean, how does it change so quickly that all of a sudden Michael Crabtree's number thirty three and Amari Cooper's number nine? When Crabtree was better last year. Yes, Cooper has a lot more talent, but that's a huge change. And he was just as good last week. I yeah. mean, obviously, Cooper had a big gainer, so he had, you know, 130 yards and Crabtree had 70 or 80 or whatever it was. But, I mean, that's the kind of thing that can easily reverse itself. Like, I could see if it was a situation, like, kind of in Jacksonville, where it's like, well, Allen Robinson pretty much always gets more targets than Allen Hearns. Like, considerably like four or five more targets at least so i understand why okay we're gonna rank robinson higher and maybe even 15 to 20 spots higher than hearns but i don't really get it with crabtree and and, and cooper i i think they're much closer than people give them credit for crabtree's a must start for me as well i've already made my uh my thoughts on on crabtree clear he's he's a good play i have him higher than 33 for sure and uh, I would not be surprised at all if he had a better season than Amari Cooper, not not just week two. One guy that I'm really fond of is Kevin White. He's all the way down at number 51, and I don't get this at all. He was playing with a hammy issue last week, and he got three receptions against a very good defense. Now he goes at home against Philadelphia, and he's number 51. This doesn't make any sense to me. He was drafted in the first eight or nine rounds, and for good reason. He's... 
incredibly athletic. He just torched the combine. He torched college football. And I don't understand why everyone's so low on him. What is the deal, Matt? I just think it's because we've never seen him be good. And I and it's like, well, yeah, he's only played one game. But there's a lot of like, I got to see it to believe it. And that it sort of ties in with the guy who I think is that I have lower than everyone else's stuff on digs, who I think coming into the season, everyone was very leery of. And ah, we don't like that quarterback situation. He was very inconsistent last year. And then he has a hundred yard game in week one. And all of a sudden he's like, oh yeah, Stefan Diggs is a starter again. I'm like, no, he's not. You know, I don't like the matchup. I, I don't like the quarterback situation. He was inconsistent last year. So he had one 100 yard game, big deal. So I think it's sort of a, those are how those two things work. Now, if Kevin White goes off it, on Monday night, which he very easily could, given the matchup, all of a sudden Kevin White will be everyone's favorite in week three. So, Everyone listening to this podcast knows that I like Sterling Shepard uh, an unnatural amount. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been talking him up all preseason. But he's number 34 and Kevin White's number 51. And Kevin White, if you ask me, is without a doubt a better wide receiver right now than Sterling Shepard. Yeah, I, I just I, I, I wouldn't even fifty one. Right, but it's like, hey, Sterling Shepard caught a touchdown last week. Yep. Yeah, and, and we're all like, if you were to ask the average fantasy owner to like, you know, you 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 made the, uh, the comment about like me and you being able to play against the Colts defense. I mean, they it, it, it's as if it's as if New Orleans is putting air out there. The way people treat them. <laughs> I mean, play a D, play, play in a DFS tournament this week and look at the ownership levels of, of all those Giants players. Yeah. So that's another reason I think. I'm, yeah, I'm actually surprised Sterling Shepard isn't higher, given uh, given how little respect everyone has for New Orleans defense. That's fair to say. I, I would not be shocked if the Giants put up 50 points. Yeah, could happen, or it could be one of those weird things where New Orleans on the road, where they're not typically as good, and they. You know, score 20 points and the Giants score 23 because Eli Manning throws three picks. I mean, I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. It, it's football's, that's a cla- football's weird like that. Classic NFL, you know, week two thing. All right. And Matt, who's somebody that you're low on this week that you would advise people not to start? Well, I mentioned Diggs. I mean, that that that's a big one for me. I was just kind of looking at it. And, and uh, I like Deshaun Jackson. I don't know if I necessarily tell people not to start him. He, he certainly looked good last week, but I I don't have him nearly as high as as the consensus rankings. And a big reason for that is just look back at Deshaun Jackson's career and the guy's always streaky. He's such a big play dependent guy. And uh, it's tough for me to just say, yeah, he's a starter every week. And I mean, Kirk Cousins did not look good last week at all. And he needed every bit of garbage time to get up over 300 yards. And while I don't think the Cowboys are a very good defense. So for that reason, I, like I said, I'd still be fine starting Deshaun Jackson He's still a guy that I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not all in on yet. I just need to see them be more consistent. I, you know, need to see how targets are distributed a, a second week because I do think Jamison Crowder is going to get more targets, and I think Josh Doxson is going to eventually earn more targets. So that's a team that I think could be another one of those just, you know, aggravating fantasy situations for yeah. for a good chunk of the year. I love Jamison Crowder in, in PPR leagues. He's on all my rosters. Yeah, he's he's a very good player. I mean, there's no question. It's like you, you look at him compared to Pierre Garcon, and I just think, what, what you know, what are you wasting your time with Garcon for? Like, let's let's get let's get the show going with, with Crowder here. For me, the guy's Corey Coleman. 
I'm not starting Corey Coleman. If, if I had him, I don't have him because I don't like Corey Coleman yet. I think he's going to be a, a fine NFL player in, in a year or two, but it's his second week in the NFL and uh, he's not super polished. He's number 44 right now, right there on the cusp of, do I start him? Do I not start him? And I'm not starting him against Baltimore's defense who gave up what? Six points last week. And Coleman, I, I I'd consider him the number four target in a bad offense behind Barnage, Duke Johnson, and uh, and and Terrell Pryor now. Um, Corey Coleman at 41 is just too high for me. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Pryor, if you if you really feel the need to play a Browns wide receiver this week, I'd much rather play Terrell Pryor. All right, Matt, let's jump over to the listener mailbag. And the first question comes from Don in Minnesota. He wants to know, I was offered Blake Bortles for Tom Brady. Where do you guys stand? Uh, you know, I would just, just keep Brady. I mean, obviously I imagine if you have Tom Brady, then you also have another pretty good quarterback. And while Blake Bortles is probably better than that quarterback, I don't know if he's significantly better, quite frankly, I guess I'd have to look at the schedule for the next two games. Uh, but, but actually I don't, because I would never make that trade. I, if you drafted Brady, then you drafted him for a reason you want Brady going forward. And so uh, I would, I would just sit tight. We've got rest of the season rankings on Fantasy Pros. Um, just same thing. Go to the drop-down menu under NFL and just look under rankings. You'll see rest of season rankings. And we have Tom Brady higher. I trust Tom Brady more than I trust Blake Bortles. He's only going to be out the next three weeks. And when you go into the fantasy playoffs, and if you're listening to this show, don't worry, you're definitely going into the fantasy playoffs. Uh, Tom Brady is the guy that you want going into the fantasy playoffs. Maybe more than Rodgers, maybe more than Luck, maybe more than Newton. Um, he's, he's going to come back fired up and I, I don't think that this one is especially close. I understand what the guy was doing and I understand why you're thinking about it, but I would definitely hold on to Tom Brady there. Yeah, I agree. All right. Seth from Canada. Who's going to play more games the rest of 2016, Sammy Watkins or Josh Gordon? And who's going to be better per game? I mean, if, if you're betting on it, I think you have to take Watkins just by just pure odds because you know Gordon's missing three more and then the risk of injury you know to Gordon is 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 there as it is with any NFL player and then the risk of him doing one more thing off the field to get him suspended for the rest of the season is there so I mean I think you got to take Watkins and uh, you know you want to know who's going to be better per game that could be Gordon but if it's over four games then it doesn't matter so, uh, yeah, I, I would just take Watkins on both accounts. I just think it's the safer, the safer play. With Josh Gordon, if he uses the wrong mouthwash, he's never going to play in the NFL again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this is a guy that uh, I think it's likely he will do worse than use the wrong mouthwash. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'd love to see him stay on the field and do yeah. well because football and fantasy football is more fun when there's players like him in there but i mean he's a risk there's no question about it and and also let's let's be honest let's look at the offense and i know he produced in a bad offense before but at the same time you know you don't feel great about that anytime when a guy's in a bad offense either and you know could get traded and i don't know i mean there's just so much uncertainty with that guy that I, i don't really want much to do with him you know, Josh Gordon looked really good in the preseason, so so I want something to do with him. But comparing him to Sammy Watkins, Watkins, I think, is more talented. Uh, Watkins is in a better situation because Buffalo um, 
I just I, I think that they're a worse team than the Browns. And I know this is going to be surprising to some of you guys, but they have so many injuries on defense and they're going to be playing from behind. And Watkins is the only weapon on that offense that that Tyrod Taylor can pass to. Josh Gordon, I already talked about. Cleveland has some weapons. Mm-hmm. They're going to be spreading the ball around a lot more. And so I take Sammy Watkins for games and I take him for performance. Next question comes to us from Matt, and he wants to know how concerned we should be about Kobe Fleener. Uh, is this just a, a week one fluke that I'm overreacting to? I mean, Drew Brees aired it out 40 times, and he has nowhere, and he was nowhere in the game plan. So what do I do? Should I drop him? Nah, I mean, I don't. I I understand the concern. I mean, especially when it came up, I think more than once in the preseason about Fleener not being up to speed on the playbook. I mean, that's certainly not something you want to hear in a worry. But, you know, they went out and got Kobe Fleener for a reason. We've seen the success tight ends have had in that offense. And I'm not just talking about Jimmy Graham because Benjamin Watson had a great year last year in that offense. And I, I think Fleener is more talented. So, you know, I think this is a this was a classic week one thing. I don't know if it was the game plan specifically, or if it was just how the game was unfolding that, that they said, look, we, we can go to our receivers and beat them. I mean, Willie Sneed's open every play. Brandon Cooks is open every play. Why do we, why are we going to worry about forcing it to a tight end? We don't need to. So yeah, I, I don't, you know, you look at this week's going to be a good measure, right? Because Dallas's tight end was open every play last week against the giants. So this week will be interesting. If, if Fleener throws up another, you know, near goose egg this week, all right, maybe I'm starting to get a little worried, but before I see them play this week, I'm not worried yet. I was really high on Kobe Fleener in the preseason. I still am. That game didn't change anything. Uh, he's going to get, he's going to get a hundred targets as long as he stays healthy. And, um, but I, I would not even use the word drop in the same sentence as Fleener until week five or, uh, or some big injury. Yeah, Are I they- agree. I agree completely. It's, it's, it's too, I mean, look, only eight tight ends scored a touchdown last week. It was a bad tight end week yeah. for the whole league. I mean, two of those guys were Buccaneers who only had one target each. So <laughs> like no tight end did well last week or hardly any did anyway, I should say. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's like the idea of like, I want to drop Kobe Fleener and pick up who? Like, who are you going to go get? It's garbage out there. So you just stick with them. Grant from California asked a question that, that really made me think a lot. It, it's interesting. Should I buy low on Todd Gurley or just avoid that, avoid that entire Rams offense like the plague? Oh, I'd buy low on him. Absolutely. I, I'm not, I, you know, look. I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared, Matt. I can't do it. <laughs> I don't I don't blame you for being scared, but at the same time, are we saying that about Adrian Peterson? Why not? He was worse last week. You know, it was just He was against uh he was against a good defense. The Rams were against the 49ers, like the 25th best defense in the NFL. I get well, okay. Well well, we don't know that for sure, but I do yeah, think yeah, you're that right. they, they are bad. But here's the thing, and here's the difference, and this is why people are scared of Todd Gurley and not some of these other running backs who had bad games, is because we all saw it. It was on national TV. And that has such an effect on on people's psyche. Like if you didn't see Adrian Peterson getting stuffed over and over, then you're like, oh, you know, I had a bad game. I guess it happens. But we watch Case Keenum, you know, be unable to complete a pass. And we just go, oh, my gosh, this is going to be like this the rest of the year. That's not how the NFL works. Things change. I, I will be honest. I'm not as high on Gurley now as I was before the draft. <laughs> so it's affected me somewhat, but I'm not, I'm not selling on the guy. You know, I still think he's going to, when it's all said and done, be, be a, be a top 10 back and, and has as much yeah. upside as anyone in the league. So let me ask you this, Matt, if you had a choice between Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott, 
How do you rank those guys at this point? Uh, you know, I would probably Gurley's three for me. I, yeah, I can see that. I, I, you know, I'm not, but again, you know, Elliot's, he was terrible too, but he managed to fall in the end zone. So, uh, you know, it's like, well, did he have a great game? No. And I think we trust them more because we know what their O-line can do and, and how good it is or has been. But uh, yeah, I, you know, Bell is interesting. Now that we got one game out of the way of the suspension, he becomes that much more attractive. You know, I don't know how how you kind of do that exponentially, do the math on it. But yeah, I mean, I could see that argument three. I'd probably put him two. I'd probably put Bell one, Gurley two, and, and Elliott three. But I, I have a, a natural bias against rookies that has probably cost me some fantasy titles in the past. Elliott's was my number one back going into the season. And, you know, I watched that game. He looked impressive. He looked impressive to me. And he got hit uh, before he reached uh, two yards well, yeah, downfield. Three yards, less than three yards he, a carry, yeah, right? because he, he was getting hit so early. Well, uh, that so Giants that, defensive that line is awesome. Gurley, that Gurley had, like, it was something like he had 52 yards after contact and finished with 47 yards for the game. I but mean, that, that doesn't fit my narrative, Matt. So I can't, I can't oh, say that. <laughs> good point. Okay, we'll edit that out. Cool. <laughs> no, they're both great. I'd be happy with either of them. I'll put it that way. I just, you know, like right now, I've got one team where I'm staring down the barrel of a Devonte Freeman number one running back. You want to talk about someone I'm worried about? It's Devonte. Oh, Freeman. seriously? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about Tevin Coleman? Do you think he's going to steal that job? I, you know, I was on. Um, well, it's actually because this plays into the next question, right? Keegan from Virginia uh, says, I have to drop one, Sims, McKinnon, or Coleman. Well, we know you love Sims. I'm about to talk about Coleman. So I answer that first, drop Jarek McKinnon, McKinnon. But uh, as far as Coleman, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's tough to say because I love Freeman, and I was beating that drum hard all preseason. Freeman's the guy. He, they're not just going to split carries when, when Freeman's as talented and proven as he is and blah, blah, blah. And then week one happens and you watch it and you go, man, Kevin Coleman's better. And the only thing I'll say for Freeman is that he did seem to be in there more when they were inside the 10 yard line. I still think he's the better bet for touchdowns, but he's got to do something. He has to step up because neither of them ran well, you know, but Coleman had a couple big receptions and obviously they split touches almost equally. And uh, so Freeman's got to step up and I know he's got a little injury right now. And I'm as a Freeman owner, I'm very worried. It's amazing. It's it's the complete opposite of what happened last year, the complete opposite. And uh, I would not be shocked at all if Tevin Coleman does the exact same thing, takes the job, doesn't look back, ends up being the the best running back in the NFL. Um, it, It would just be it would be too good if that happened. I hope it doesn't. Actually, though, I, d- I do have Coleman on that team, too. So I guess I'm covered either way. And, and honestly, yeah. you just want one or the other. You just don't want going into every game trying to guess. And they're both getting 14 touches. You just You're want exactly right. one or the other. And the last question comes to us from Danny in Texas. And he says, I'm going to pick up a defense for week three right now. So I don't have to use my FFA. So I don't have to use my FAAB next Tuesday. Who should I pick up? Well, I looked ahead at the matchups, and uh, Cincinnati, Miami, and Oakland uh, were the ones that that stood out to me. And uh, let me find it here, who's playing who. So uh, we got uh, some nice matchups. Uh, Miami's against Cleveland. Oakland's against Tennessee, although that one is on the road. And Cincinnati's playing Denver at home. Uh, I don't know if all those are going to be available. I would assume Miami is. Oakland and Cincinnati could could definitely be owned, but it wasn't a great week for 
you know, matchups for sort of under the radar defenses, at least that I saw. Um, so that, that obviously makes it a lot tougher. I don't know. Did you find any other ones that stood out to you? For me, it's Tampa Bay. They're going up against, uh, I almost said St. Louis. Yeah, they're, they're going up oh, against yeah. Los Angeles. Against the Rams. Yeah, that's Tampa a good Bay, one too. I, I, I've said this a couple times. Tampa Bay has one of the most underrated defenses in the NFL. Uh, I think mm-hmm. they're going to really surprise a lot of people this season. They've got Altron Werner. Uh, they've got Brent Grimes that they pulled over from the Dolphins. Levante David's one of the best young linebackers in the league. Uh, they've got Robert Ayers, who I like quite a bit. And then Gerald McCoy right there in the middle. Mm-hmm. This is We could seriously be talking about the Rams going through the first three weeks with zero points. Uh-huh. I really believe that's a possibility. I, I think that would be uh, almost impossible. You it's, just, it's really stretching it. But they're going to fall so on a fumble at some point on, on the other team's 20-yard line, I would think, and yeah. get a field goal at <laughs> least. But no, Tampa's certainly certainly a good one. I must overlook that one. I think that, uh, yeah, that that's right up there at the top, I think, along with, with Miami against Cleveland, depending. But, you know, Cleveland goes out and has a good game this week, and all of a sudden it's that's not going to look as good. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much what happens this week changes our perceptions on maybe some of these things. Matt, let's move over to the start sit segment. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you four names that are right there on the borderline. You have to start two and you have to sit two. So let's start here at quarterback. We already talked about Russell Wilson a little bit at Los Angeles. Andrew Luck at Denver. Derek Carr face Atlanta and Kirk Cousins face Dallas. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we kind of already answered this one, and, and Russell Wilson would be the guy. We talked about how, you know, or at least I did, how I like Luck. I think you do too, so I'm starting him. Derek Carr, I'm definitely starting. And then the other one, just sort of by process of elimination, is Kirk Cousins. I don't really mind him this week. I, I, I think he can do fine. Uh, certainly, I think he'll do better than last week, but, you know, of, of those four, I think he's definitely the, the number four. So, so you're taking Derek Carr over Russell Wilson? Uh, yeah, I am this week. Great. Yeah, we're in agreement here then. Two, uh, one for one, Andrew Luck and Derek Carr over Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins. Although I've got to say, Kirk Cousins at home against a defense like Dallas, that is really hard to pass up. But I just believe in Luck too much. And and Carr in that uh, in that matchup against Atlanta, it, it's just a better matchup. So uh, yep. I'm taking those two. All right. All right, running back. This one's hard. I don't know if I like any of these guys. TJ Yeldon at San Diego. Amir Abdullah faced Tennessee, Tevin Coleman at Oakland, and Matt Jones faced Dallas. Uh, you know, Abdullah, again, we kind of talked about that. He'd be on my bench of those four. And, and Coleman right now, as long as Freeman's uh, healthy and playing, just because of the unknown between those two. Uh, like you said, I'm not huge on any of these guys. I think Yeldon actually is much more valuable as a receiver in that matchup after after Chiefs running backs absolutely killed the Chargers as as receivers and Jones, I don't know. He's ah, it's so tough on that guy. I own him in a league. I hate the fact that I own him. Uh, but he was like the <laughs> last start. He was like the last starting running back on the board when I was drafting. Uh, but I, I think I would take him because I feel at least he's going to get the bulk of the carries, and and I don't mind that matchup at all. I refuse to ever start Matt Jones. Anyone who anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I will never start Matt Jones ever. Nothing nothing can change that. Even if he goes two complete games without fumbling the ball, I still won't start Matt Jones. That's so, so for me, I uh it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but for me it is it is TJ Yeldon and then Tevin Coleman's my number two. Okay. That's fair. Wide receiver. Alan Hearns at San Diego, 
John Brown faced Tampa. Tajay Sharp at Detroit and Tyler Lockett at Los Angeles. Yeah, that's a tough one because I did I, I was doing I did our rankings before the the Monday night game just to kind of get them done and then obviously update. And I had Lockett pretty low. And then I watched Jeremy Curley absolutely destroy the Rams in the slot. And I thought, oh boy, I wonder. I wonder if that's going to translate because then Lockett will absolutely kill him. I think these guys are very even. I, I yeah. Hearns is the best one. And, and man, it's so tough. I still have Lockett as a guy I'm not starting, even though I do like him long term. And uh, I have Sharp one spot ahead of Brown, largely because of the matchup. But uh, that's it's very tough. So, I mean, I say Brown and Lockett, but put put all those guys in a hat and pull them out. You know, when I was doing my rankings, I had these four all right next to each other. And that's why I picked them because mm-hmm. I couldn't really separate them. I, I couldn't make up my mind. I mean, you could go in any order and it would look just fine to me. All these guys, they've got some stuff going for them. Uh, but what it came down to is Alan Hearns is going to be the guy on the opposite side of the field as Verrett mm-hmm. uh, for the San Diego Chargers. And I think he's going to I think he's going to get the ball a little more. Now, we know we can play him for these game scripts. We can we can play him for the matchups, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen that way. Nope. The likelihood is, though, Hearns has the best chance at a good game. Um, and then John Brown is is just the best receiver of the bunch. Mm-hmm. And I, I know he was abysmal last week and he's going to be abysmal uh, five or six other games this season. That's just the type of player he is. But, you know, he could also go for two touchdowns and 120 yards. And I don't see either of those other guys doing it. So John Brown's my number two, barely. Yeah, I, I don't believe it one bit for that. I, you know, I think a lot of people are want to jump ship on Brown, but I'm like, this is how it goes with Arizona receivers. Like you can't, you can't be mad about what happened in week one. How did you not know that was going to happen at some point this season? Yep. Yep. You're exactly right. All right. Let's move on to the final segment here. And this one's a fun one because we're going to make some bold predictions here. We're going to predict the top performers of the week at each position. And it's not who's the top ranked guy. It's who do you think is going to end up the top fantasy score? And we know that every week, you know, sometimes it's the chalk guy, but most of the times it's someone who jumps out of nowhere. Spencer Ware, CJ Anderson. It's, it's a guy like that. So why don't you start us at quarterback, Matt? Who do you have? Uh, well, this would actually tie into why I guess I should have said start John Brown. I have Carson Palmer there, and it's just because he has so many weapons, and and they, I know that he didn't look great last Sunday night, but again, just a ton of weapons, and I do think that Tampa Bay defense, uh, you know, even though it's good, there's no question, um, I, I see it maybe being a little tired, making making two straight road trips to start the year, and, and especially this long road trip, and, and uh, I, I could see him just connecting on a couple big gainers and uh, just putting up big stats. Mike Taglieri, who we've had on the show, tweeted this out the other day. This is what he says. As of now, here are Carson Palmer's numbers going back to week 15 last year, playoffs included. Nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and he's only 123 for 209. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is not a good quarterback. I don't know if anything's going on there. I mean, I know he's had some hard matchups. He was in, he was in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but um, it concerns me a little bit. Now, that's not to say that he could be the number the QB number one, but I'm nervous about him right now. I, I, I had a chance to trade him. Uh, I'm sorry, to, to trade my quarterback ahead of him. Uh, because for whatever reason, I ended up with two really good quarterbacks. I got Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer because Palmer slipped to the 10th or 11th round. And I could have traded Luck and just hang, held on to Palmer, but he scares me too much right now. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. 
it's just uh, I guess I'm I'm just focusing on his receivers and whatnot, making plays for him. So oh, hopefully. absolutely, it, it could definitely happen. He finished number three last year for quarterbacks. There is he's one of the three or four guys that probably has the best chance at doing that. Even though he's you know barely a top ten guy this week, just because of who he is and what he can do. For me, it's Matthew Stafford. Uh, because I, I, like I said, Tennessee's run defense is really good. I think they're going to have to give up on running the ball for the most part because they're not going to be able to do anything there. And Stafford's going to pick this defense apart. Now, I know that Stafford has some stinkers. You talked about how you have him lower, and I get that. I don't have him higher either, but if I'm going bold, I think Stafford has a chance to do it. He was brilliant last week, 31 of 39. And look, I know we're maybe overreacting because it was Indy's defense, but he was great last year with Jim Bob Cooter. And uh, it's a home game. I, I could see it happening here. Yeah, I could, I could, uh, I could definitely uh, see, see it too. Uh, but it's uh, you know with Stafford, it's sort of a you know believe it, believe it before it happens. It's just a show me thing with him sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And with these bold predictions, it's not like next week I have to come back and say this is how my bold prediction turned out. Matthew Stafford was horrible. Like if I get it yeah, right, everyone's like, man, that guy picked Matthew Stafford. And if not, it's like, well, you know. I forget who. Yeah, you don't have to be publicly shamed if you get these wrong. I think people That's understand. Right. The yeah. same way I was publicly shamed with uh, with CJ Anderson not working out. I trashed CJ Anderson all preseason, mm-hmm. and um, man, he's so good. He is so good. Yeah, he looked good definitely last week. All right, let's go to running back, and mine's a little bit more of a chalk play. Uh, it's Rashard Jennings, and I, I know that sounds weird that it's a chalk play, but we already talked about. I mean, their matchup that they have. They're going to score so many points, and uh, I just think Jennings is going to get enough carries. He's probably going to get himself 20 carries. He got a ton last week. Now, Vereen got quite a few carries too, but um, Rashard Jennings, at the end of last year, they used him as a workhorse, and I think it continues this year. And in this game, man, if he gets 20 carries, he's going to put up 150 yards, maybe a couple touchdowns. Yeah, people focus a lot on how bad the New Orleans pass defense was last week. The run defense was just as bad. So I think, yeah, I think Jennings could definitely have a good game. They gave up 4.9 yards per carry last year. That's better than any starting back, starting running back in the NFL had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, every they're, they're, opposing they're starting running back is level. better. What's that? I said they're not good on any level. There's no <laughs> They're so them. bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that, now that Bounty Gate's been gone for five years, what are they going to do? Yeah, I know. They have to actually focus on fundamentals and tackling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, who's your running back? I'm not going too far off the board, I don't think. Maybe a little, but I'll go Jeremy Langford. I think that, Ooh. you know, you talk about workhorses, and he's one of them. I'm not sure he's that good, to be perfectly honest with you, but I think he's going to get a lot of touches, and I think it's a great matchup for him against Philadelphia, and I could see him really putting up big numbers. Matt, that's a bold one. I like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. weird. With Jeremy Langford, people were drafting him in, I don't know if you play MFL 10s, but people were drafting not- him in the top 30. Mm-hmm. for two or three months and then it just started to fade and go downhill and go downhill and i think people forgot this guy's got some talent he wasn't very good last year but he's got some talent and he's the only guy on that team that has talent in the backfield so i could see that he's uh number 23 for our rest of the season ranking so i'd say that's pretty bold but matt i like that one who's your wide receiver uh, well, wide receiver, I, uh, you know, that's again, another tough one, but I'm going to a guy who, who's going to be on a snap count again. Apparently I'm going to go Calvin Benjamin, uh, yeah. kind of like what you said with the 49ers defense isn't nearly as good as it looked last Monday night. And I, I mean, you talk about a short week, 
you know, not only playing Monday night and then traveling across the country to play on a Sunday afternoon, but playing a late Monday night game, I think that defense is going to be hungover, and I think Benjamin's going to do work against him. You know, I think playing the Rams, you could go travel across the country and play the next day and not really notice much of a difference. Perhaps. Uh, that's that's not really true. Um, yeah. What you said is, is right on the money, and uh, I like that idea a lot. Uh, my guy, it's really hard to go away from – from the top five, six guys here in mm-hmm. wide receiver, because it seems like every week it's one of those guys. And for me, it's Julio Jones. Uh, Julio Jones, I think, is the second most talented wide receiver on the planet behind being A.J. Green. And I know that's crazy because Brown and Beckham put up absurd numbers. But mm-hmm. just watch this guy. Watch him run Watch him run uh, somebody down after an interception. He's the fastest player in the NFL. And mm-hmm. he was hurt when he did the combine, so we, we don't realize it. But... There's a reason Dan Quinn said that he could be in the, uh, an Olympic runner and finish in the top five in the world. Now, that's an exaggeration. He could not do that. I'm certain he couldn't do that. But he's the fastest player in the league, and, uh, and I think he's a great red zone threat, too. He hasn't put up those great numbers in the past because they've run the ball in the 20 a lot. But watch the video of him in pregame. It's the most absurd catch I've ever seen. It's just absolutely ridiculous how big this guy's hands are, how high he can get up and how soft his hands are. And look, I know those are just videos, but Julio Jones is so talented. Yeah. Always a great candidate. That's for sure. All right. And then finally, who's your tight end? The non-Gronk tight end, because it's just too easy to pick Gronk. It is. You know what? We talked about him already. I'm going, I'm going with Fleener. I'm saying the monster bounce back. Just boom, he's doing it. And uh, like I said, Giants could not cover Jason Witten last week. So, uh, yeah. you know, I think the Saints shift their game plan a little bit and Fleener's going to be open a, a lot. And I think he's going to get the ball. Matt, I've liked your picks a lot. Uh, they're they're really entertaining and I could see them all happening. And I'm probably going Kobe Fleener in, in GPP contest this week. Um, my guy, however, is Gary Barnage. And it's because of the Josh McCown effect. Sure. And that's all that it comes down to. Josh McCown and Gary Barnage they just love each other. They're they're great bros, and um, I, I think that he's going to get himself nine or ten targets. And any tight end that's getting nine or ten targets has a chance yeah. uh, I, to be this top guy. I like that our tight ends had a combined one catch last week. <laughs> that's how, but that's how it works. That's how it works yeah. with tight yeah, ends specifically is. in fantasy. It just does. So I answered probably forty emails today. I've got another just sitting there waiting for me. Um, with all these guys asking questions about week one guys and like like the one with Kobe Fleener. Yeah. Remember, guys, it was week one. Kobe Fleener and Gary Barnage are still talented players. And um, you know, we've we've seen this every single year. This is nothing new, so don't overreact. Yes, agreed one hundred percent. All right, Matt. That's all we have for you this week. And uh appreciate you coming on. It was it was great stuff and it's always fun talking to you. All right. Look forward to being back again sometime. Yep. Have a great weekend. All right. And that's the week two matchup show. We've got another show coming out early Friday morning for your workday drive. We've got Josh Shepardson coming on to talk about DFS for the week. So make sure to tune in for that show if you're playing FanDuel, DraftKings, Yahoo, whatever it may be. Also, if you want to send in a question for the next listener mailbag next Wednesday, email me at bobby at fantasypros.com or tweet me at bobbyfantasypro. Uh, And also, if, if you don't Get your question answered on the listener mailbag. I'll make sure to respond to every one of them. So get your questions in. Uh, We always take the time to respond. It may take uh, longer than a couple hours, and it might be a short answer, but I promise I will respond uh, with your sit-start questions, whatever it may be. 
I, I want to help our listeners win their leagues. And, and we've got great advice at Fantasy Pros. Uh, it's not just my advice. It's, it's me listening to the experts. And uh, that's the best part about having all these tools. So make sure that you go check out my playbook. My playbook's going to help you. And check out all our other tools, DFS Lineup Optimizer, uh, our ownership percentage estimates for, for DFS. We've got some great stuff out there. Search around our website. If you've just been listening to the podcast, our website's way better than the podcast. The developers do a great job. Our content team does a great job. And uh, there's a lot for you to find. So check it out. You can find something new every week of the season and then some. So uh, thanks for listening and please tune in Friday. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.